This podcast is intended for adults and might include adult language, themes, and sex education. If you're under the age of 18, we recommend visiting scarleteen.com. Who played show and tell? It was fun and exciting to tell our friends and classmates about what we were proud of, what we had learned, what our favorite new toy was. And somewhere along the way, we learned that we are not supposed to show or tell our stories and experiences about sex and our bodies. Show and Tell Sex is a podcast produced by Self Serve Toys in collaboration with KUNM, a public radio station in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Self Serve Toys is a feminist sex shop in Albuquerque, New Mexico, specializing in body safe, non toxic toys with a health and education focus. Find us online at selfservetoys.com. On Show and Tell Sex, we'll show you the parts that so often get left unsaid. We'll show you the parts that we've silenced. We will tell our secrets. We will be brave together. And we'll have some fun, because Show and Tell was always fun. Welcome to Show and Tell Sex. My name is Hunter Riley, and I'm going to be your host today. If you tuned in for our first episode, all about masturbation, you might have heard my voice a little bit, but you probably heard Mady talking to guests all about the joys of masturbation and the history of Masturbation Month. Today, you're going to hear me. We are taking sort of turns co- uh, hosting this, this podcast, so you can hear different voices, different perspectives about the various topics that we're talking about. Um, so thanks for sticking around. It's going to be a really fun episode today. We're going to be talking to a couple experts and people involved in the kink and BDSM lifestyles. We're also going to be hearing a toy review. Self-Serve does some, we do a lot of research, a lot of hard work, making sure that the toys that we carry are good and fun and great. And um, you're going to hear Mady and I talk about a toy that wasn't so good and fun and great. Um, So that's coming up. We're also going to be talking about sex-positive events in the Albuquerque and Arizona areas. So stay tuned for all of that. We've got a really good episode coming up for you today, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So I am here talking with two very amazing people, and I'm going to let them talk about themselves a little bit. Um, I'm here with Frida and with Lola. So Frida, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Well, let's see. Um, I am a second-generation fetishist, even though my parents are no longer part of the lifestyle. And um, yeah, I've been in the scene since 1996, you know, last century. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I've been doing everything from education, entertainment, and lately I've been doing a lot of advocacy. Um, we are in funny times where things that we, uh, kinksters and fetishists, were able to do are now being qu- questioned a little drastically. So I've been doing a lot of advocacy for that. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. Awesome. Thank you. And how about you, Lola? I am a, I, I wasn't like I, I just really adored that the second generation fetish. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> that 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 tickled me. I love that. Um, I am a first generation, as far as I know. <laughs> but, but who knows? I haven't had that conversation. Um, and I'm a sex educator in Brooklyn, and I teach kinky things or about kinky things, I really gravitate towards 101 because I feel like as much as we, like, I talk about sex so much and I get lost and like, oh, people don't all know what I know. 
And then when you go out and I do, like, my own personal kinky things, I realize, like, people don't know stuff. And they're here and they're doing things and they're going to hurt somebody. So that's what I gravitate towards, um, trying to get give people, like, base knowledge before they just dive into a scene um, or the scene, as it were. Right. Yeah. Awesome. And um, would you all be interested in sharing some of your identities around kink? You don't have to, but if, if that feels comfortable for you. Sure. I am a little and submissive, and sometimes those go together, and sometimes they are completely separate. And I am also a masochist. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. Um, I'm a fetishist. um, There are certain artifacts or um, objects that need to be present for me to enjoy the situation. (laughs) The smile on your face right now is just the best. <laughs> I do have a thing for boys in panties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now I am in a 24-7 relationship with Sarah Miles. And um, we, she is my owner and I'm her property. And uh, that's, that's one of the main roles that I have right now. Um, I do consider myself a proud pervert. Mm-hmm. I think there's the level of perversion that it's necessary in order to um, question what we've been told as normal sexuality and what is not normal. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the titles I enjoy the most. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, all right. So let's just sort of get started with some basic questions. You know, what do you... or what has been, you know, if, if you can give sort of a nutshell version, what has been some of your experiences as far as how you found, you know, the kink community and, and you know, what what have those experiences been like? You know, have you moved across to different states or countries? Um, I would just be curious to hear a little bit about that. So, um, Frida, if you want to talk about that, and then we can talk to you, Lola. <laughs> well, um, different sexualities or different expressions of sexuality have always been part of my life. Um, My parents, at some level or another, they experienced fetishism, how they view was safe and practical for them. So I knew about fetishism and kink and leather um, more like as political movements than just like sexual activities. So by the time that I was of sexual activity age, whatever that means. Right. Um, I knew what I wanted, and I knew how I was going to do it and who I was going to do it to. And I was able to have a lot of support from my family um, until they decided to follow different paths. Mm -hmm. But um, when I turned 18, my first introduction was I was doing a photo shoot in Berlin, and we went to a bar in Berlin where there were three DJs playing and there was a play party happening in the middle of it all. Wow. And that was my introduction, like this big production, big allowance for existence. And then um, after that, I came back to the United States and I experienced the total opposite, which was more of a private scene, more of a um, a quiet scene. Um, and that was a little bit hard for me to, to go from you know, 300 people in a bar in Berlin with three DJs to somebody's bedroom or somebody's living room. 
but it allowed me to understand that we all come from different places and we all come from um, different points in our journey. And that's where my taste for um, being some sort of like historian for the King community, that's where it developed. And that's what I've seen myself as kind of like recording mostly in my mind <laughs> uh, things that I've seen, things that I've seen change, uh, both politically and socially, how people interact and going from the personal ads that you would do in certain magazines to find out who the community was to FedLife, where like mm -hmm. every weekend you can find out who and what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Did that answer your that, question? No, that, that, was, that, was, that, that was great. And, and also hearing your story about, you know, going to this, like, very open, accepting club, I'm like, oh, one day, maybe. <laughs> Magic. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> no, thank you. That was great. And how about you, Lola? So I had the opposite experience. Um, much like polyamory for me, I was practicing kink um, before I knew what kink was. Um, I ran with a very explorative group of young folk <laughs> in high school, and I don't know, I, I don't think we were necessarily thinking we were being kinky. It was just like, oh, this thing that I heard of or this thing that I saw or I saw this in a movie or I read this in a book and let me let me try this. Or the boyfriend who found handcuffs and was like, Would, can I handcuff you and then let's see what happens. And But all of that was done like either in private or like a very private small group it was never out and then I met my husband and was monogamous and vanilla and unhappy for a while and when I restarted exploring it there was this whole new world and I'm living in New York and so it was a little bit easier to kind of go out and start finding things um, my experience was going out it wasn't necessarily clubs, but big giant parties, like loft parties, where people were being invited um, as for, by a group, like a kink house, but then the public was being invited. So it wasn't necessarily like a like out in public group, but it was a very large amount of people all doing different things. And that was eye-opening, one, to kind of get to see all the different things that I didn't really know about yet in kink, but also to kind of see how people interact, and that turned me off. I didn't really enjoy I liked the things people were doing to one another, but I didn't like all the conversations, and I didn't like the clickishness, and I didn't like feeling like a piece of meat because I was new, and somebody had invited me from FetLife, and so and everybody knew my name, and I didn't understand why. And they knew my name because they were basically trying to pull me in, and that turned me off. And I think I went to two of those parties and didn't go back. Um, and I kind of haven't recovered from that in that I prefer to keep do my kinky things in private or with small group things or in a club setting but with my own people not going as a solo person to look for someone because it's just I don't, I don't trust everybody. Um, and I've had that like bad experiences with that. So it's just been, um, I kind of feel like I'm always looking outside. I'm looking through the window at everyone doing things, but I am having my own experiences. They're just not like out for everyone to see. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> 
Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, that was sort of what I talked to you about and was interested to hear about a little bit more. And, and also to see, you know, how do you all think, like, like do, is this something that you talk about with people that you meet, you know, and or is this a conversation that's happening around, like, how people engage and how a community might accept and find new members? You know, like, I mean, is, is this something that you all see being talked about, I guess? Yeah, um, I'm constantly asked if, uh, what do I think about <clears throat> social network things like FedLife, Grinder, all those places that um, allow for a large uh, percentage of people to find information, to find each other. And I always re- remind people, like, this conversation happened when people started putting ads in newspapers or magazines, like... Everyone can read this magazine. You know, everyone in the world is going to show up to our events. But ultimately, ultimately, those who are not part of us, if they say they, they remove themselves from the equation, eventually they mm-hmm. see that they're not going to get what they're looking for, so they go somewhere else. And those of us who really are committed to to the way we express our sexuality, um, whether it's politically or socially. We, we stick around and prove us that, you know, FedLife has been around for almost a decade. Uh, we still have a king community. <laughs> like, nothing um, was destroyed. If anything, it was uh, made a little more democratic. Like, people now have access to it. Is it dangerous? Yes, because then everyone who can type up a resume can claim to have the knowledge. And that's uh, one of the things that... Um, Lola was saying like that, uh, doing the one-on-ones, like that idea of like, let me make sure that you have an understanding of what you're doing before you do it. It's it's become really important in our community. And what you were saying about like the conversation of how you things you used used to be like, like I said, I come from that old school of big clubs and big street venues and large groups where everybody's having a million conversations at the same time. And <clears throat> at least for me, my interaction, my scenes were more satisfying because I had to rely on my skills to keep that person's attention. And that person had to rely on my skills to keep the um the scene going so there was this in my opinion in my experience a deeper connection so that we could stay connected even though there was a million things happening around us Mm. so now when i play in local venues or even um, national venues where this need for silence this need for no conversations it's so strong sometimes it makes me feel like well maybe i'm just gonna go and play loudly in my bedroom (laughs) right (laughs) um but um, my issue is when um, certain conversations are the ones that we shouldn't have, but other conversations are loud and present and are okay to to be. But then, when somebody has the the wrong kind of conversation, that's that's when I have an issue. When when we're not saying everyone's being loud, can we stop being loud so that people can enjoy it? It's when only certain people are called loud. You know? mm-hmm. And in my experience. The queerer you are, or the darker you are, the louder you become. So even if you're not in the room, you're still the loudest person in the room. So that's when my, like, my political identity as um, a fetishist comes with 
a, a little more strength than just to just to be there and play. Right. Awesome. And um, Lola, when you were talking about you know teaching one hundred and ones, what are what are some of the topics that you really like to teach on? You know, what are what are some of your common classes? Ooh. So, what ends up? I mean, most people don't even know like the types of toys. Like I I get. Working in a sex shop, it kind of grinds my gears when everybody calls, like, a flogger a whip. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's I not know. a goddamn whip. <laughs> like, stuff like that. Because it's like, you need to know your terminology. And if you're going out to play and somebody asks you, have you ever used it or had have it used on you and you can't even answer that or you say yes because you're you've been calling a flogger a whip or a whip a flogger or you know everything's a crop a paddle people do that all the time so stuff like that i like to um just do like a getting to know your toys and i work that into um i do like a diy crafty um kink toy class with the pervertibles where we kind of talk about um, things that you can use around your house because I also try to get people to realize you don't have to go buy, like, the $100 flogger unless you know you like being flogged um, right. or you, you you might know you might like that. So here's some things that, like, can mimic that. And if you like it, then upgrade to it. But, like, don't spend the money and then it just sits somewhere languishing and somebody else could have bought that beautiful, beautiful flogger that you just have sitting in the bottom of your drawer. Um, but I try to work in those kinds of lessons in that. And also safety, just talking about um, knowing your boundaries, what a safe word is, or and like what that, when it can be used um, all the time, like when you need to. Um, I get a lot of couples, and this is kind of informal, like classes. We get a lot of people looking for sex parties mm -hmm. that come into the shop as like a resource, like, hey, do you know where we could go? This is what we're looking for. And I always end up having like an etiquette conversation about like, okay, so like this is what to expect or what you might run into. And I'm always giving people like books to, to go buy if we don't have them because I feel like people just – think you, they can put on a corset and some leather pants and they're kinky and they're rolling up into these spaces and they have no idea what to expect and they have no idea how to act and that's not just bad for them that's bad for people who are going to these parties and want to have a good time and do have their scenes and not be interrupted by some jerk who decides to stand like right next to you <laughs> while you're flogging someone so it's a lot of like little um, not arranged classes, but things that turn into classes when people come into the shop. And then I've been doing more. Um, actually, I worked with a, um, they're not necessarily a kink club. They have sex parties, but they're people, they do have a dungeon space. So they've been trying to do classes um, for their members. And I've done a couple classes there, and it's kind of scary that these people have been going to the parties already and playing in the dungeon and the things that they've asked. And, like, how – and you play? Wait, you have a sub and you don't know what I'm talking about right now? Mm -hmm. So those are – that's like – I'm like, this is much needed, and I need to find my way to wedge myself deeper into this situation. <laughs> yeah. I definitely have sort of experienced that as well. Yes. Um, 
it's funny. Like we we somebody like me who's been doing this since you know eighteen seventy five. It feels like well, shouldn't you know? But then I remember when I first started, and I thought I knew, and I thought I was ready. Mm. And boy, was I not. Right. I mean, like I said, second-generation fetishes. I thought I was going to walk in with all the knowledge and all the experience, um, <clears throat> which I had more than the, like, you know, somebody who just came from the street and said, hey, I, I'm sure you get this all the time. Um, I read this article about <laughs> flogging, and I want to buy a flogger. Which one's the best flogger? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a little bit of experience, but what... What I've noticed, and, and it is magical and at the same time incredibly dangerous, is we have so much access to information now. Like You can just type away and find a manual on pretty much anything, and anyone can publish anything mm-hmm. on online. And I've been to, I mean, I've been all over the United States, all over Europe, um, even places in South America where people are reading things that I'm like that it's completely inaccurate or things like yeah that's protocol for that person and that person really enjoyed that but that doesn't mean that the entire community is going to um, follow the same protocol but like I was saying there's this magic and there's danger in it but I am glad there's people like like you and Lola who are willing to take the time to be like well let me have you talk to Frida. Right. <laughs> let right. me have yeah. you talk to Sarah. Mm-hmm. Or let me have you talk to Lola, who, um, you know, we're out there and we're letting people into our lives and letting people into our knowledge so that they don't make the mistakes that, that we did. Because I've, I've been there, like, I go to a national conference and I tell someone, oh, that's wonderful, but you've just been hitting someone's spine for 10 minutes. <laughs> Right. Um, and they're like, oh, we've been doing it for years. Nothing happens. I'm like, well, that's great. Let me, right. um, here, read this article. Right. So. Well, and I think it's, it's you know, it's good to allow room for growth and all of that and, and to, to recognize that we're not all going to know everything going in and also have a place for accountability of like, oh, interesting. You know, I, I learned something new today. And that's why. I, I love it when I see people coming to 101 classes at self-serve or um, at TNG, and I'm like, oh, cool, you're someone who's been doing this for a while, and you still find that it's important to come out to these events because we recognize that people can change, relationships can change, and also information can change. You know, sometimes we find out something new or like I saw a, a YouTube bondage video recently that was talking about all about like nerve clusters in your arms and where to be aware. And I was like, oh, that was really in depth. And I knew about it before, but I didn't know as much as I did after watching this video. Mm-hmm. So that there's, there, like you said, there's so much access to information, which is both good and bad because some of it's really awesome and then some of it's not so great. So I love yeah. when, when, uh, when I see people who have been you know, in the scene, air quotes, um, for a long time, still coming out and learning because it's, and, and you might learn something from a different person, right? Yes. Uh, yes. I'm terrified of waking up one day and saying, I think I know it all <laughs> because then I'm just going to, you know, put my floggers away and go crochet because, <laughs> like, what's the point? Uh, I'm also part of the academia and I've seen those professors who think they know everything and they're refusing to learn anything else and, New theories are just, you know, unworthy of their time. 
I don't want to be that person in kink that reaches that point where unless I came up with that, it's not good. Or what could you possibly teach me since I've been doing this since 1875? <laughs> um, I don't want to be that person. I still go to one-on-ones. I still go to TNG when it's mm-hmm. open to everyone because the, those are the people that come up with amazing new concepts and amazing new techniques because they didn't have and, and you know I'm, I'm ancient so I'm talking about it from this perspective um, they didn't have all those decades of garbage being taught to them and that helps for you to be free to develop a technique or be free to develop an interest in something without having that fear of, you know, 20 years of society telling you that's perverted. So that's why I love going to one-on-ones and, and groups like TNG when they're open to ancient people like me. <laughs> <laughs> or I think it's also really great because you can learn it from another perspective. Like I... I had read, a, I found a really good, what I thought was at, at, in that moment, a really good like chart about choking. And it just talked about um, things to look for and ways to be careful. And I posted it on, um, I posted it on both, both of my Twitter accounts, the Lola and the Sex at a Go-Go. And quickly, someone I follow and I talk to often pointed out that it wasn't really um, accurate for everyone because of people of color who are darker. And in the moment, I was like, why didn't I catch that? Because for me, I'm, I'm really light. And so all those markers work for me because you can see when I'm changing colors. And I actually um, change a myriad of colors when being choked. There are all these things for my skin that work that won't work for someone else. So it's like even when you think you know something or you're reading something, it's really good to just have other perspectives because the moment she said that to me, the glass broke, and I'm like, now I need to find these other things. Can you give me some resources? I'm going to spread this out, and now when I talk about it and I write about it, I'm going to make sure I say that this doesn't work for everyone. And, you know, like, no matter how much, you know, even people who teach, we don't always think of all the things, and it's really helpful to, like, go to other classes. I go to other people's one-on-ones all the time because there's always going to be something that I didn't think. Maybe I knew it, but it was tucked in the back of my brain, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I never talk about that. So it's super important to, like, still go and learn things. I don't want to not want to keep learning. I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go crochet, but (laughs) (laughs) I'd definitely hang it up if I felt like I knew everything. Right. Well, and I would be curious um, to hear also, you know, how do you think that, um, like, how how is maybe a, a more ethical way to really sort of involve people and try and bring in people who might not feel like it's a like they they might not feel it's necessary to go to one oh one. Like how, how do we create that or it, do we create the conversation with people about why that's important? Because um, I think I see a lot of that of people being like, oh, I wouldn't need to because I've been here, you know, and it's like, well, I mean, I, I understand that perspective and having, you know, having somebody who has a lot of experience is really important, too. And there's a lot of value in that. But like, how do we sort of build that bridge of, you know, of recognizing that you know, there's value in people who've been doing it for a long time coming to the table and learning more. I always tell pe- I, I always tell people who don't want to, not that they don't want to, but they feel that it's not necessary for them. 
when they tell me that, my immediate reaction is, then you should come to my class because you have so much experience. And if I'm saying something that it's not true, you can be right there to correct me. And believe me, people love to correct Frida. So, <laughs> so just right there, like give them that option that they could possibly be the one who gets to correct Frida, um, brings them to the table. Um, and then they're the same people who tell me, like, I did not know that. I'm so glad you gave me the opportunity to come. I think when we live in, we, and I shouldn't be saying we, but I am lucky to be part of a community that has a lot of knowledge and is so willing to share it. They just want to share their knowledge and their skills. There's not a play party where you don't go and somebody goes, let me show you what I just learned or let me show you what I just figured out. Um, the magic is in give them, <clears throat> selling it to them in a way that allows them to feel that they're not going to be judged for being the dinosaurs in the room and that their that their knowledge is going to be welcomed and it's going to be received respectfully. And also for new people, a lot of new people think that, I mean, we live in a society that tells you that by the time you have sex with somebody, you have to know everything there is about sex. And you have to be this magical being who is going to, in one hour, if you're lucky, rock this person's world without having to ask them a question or any hesitation, like, you're just supposed to know this. That's the kind of world that they come from. So they come mm -hmm. to our, um, our community thinking that if they admit that they're new, that they admit that they're unexperienced, that they're going to be judged, that they're going to be sent to, I don't know, like, elementary school for kinksters <laughs> or, you know, you're not middle school level, like, whatever that is that we are constantly told. Mm -hmm. So they tend to come in wanting to present themselves as better or with more knowledge. And when you provide a venue or you provide a safe space for people to showcase how much they know and to admit how much they don't know, that's the magic I look for. That's when you just created a connection without having to offend anyone or question anyone's um, skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, did you want to add something, Lola? No. <laughs> no, I think that was, yeah, that yeah. was perfect. And um, I'm definitely, you know, interested to hear also, because I put this out on Facebook before this interview, if there was any, if anybody would want to speak with you all and ask a specific question. And one of the questions that I got was about someone's experience feeling sort of awkward, I believe was the word they used, about engaging with the King community and they expressed that they're a person of color and genderqueer, and they were asking maybe is that one of the reasons why I feel awkward engaging in that community? So if you all would like to talk about that. Ooh, I'll, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, think, I think part of it is, depending on where you live, um, like in New York, there is something for every, everyone. Like there is all kinds of kink activities like there's a million munches for like and you can get real specific with your kink and the type of munch if you go on felt like there's it's just endless i've i've done it just to like kind of see what was out there and it is so plentiful and there's all kinds of parties like we have um the spam party and 
I forget the name of the other party, but one is a, an all-queer um, party, and then one is, like, queer and queer ally party. But So if you don't feel comfortable not being in that space, you don't have to. There's a party for you. And it's um, a lot of POC attend that party. And then there's also a POC-specific party. So if you, you don't have to put yourself in the awkward position here if it's just not necessary all the time. Um, where, but I know that that's not the case everywhere, and I know not everybody has um, access to all these different things. So I think that's definitely a part of it because when I first started, I was going to things, and it was very white, and I'm always looking around like, am I the, I'm the only black person here? <laughs> oh, wait, there's one. Hi, hi, how are you? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. And even and I have a white partner, and, and even he would look around, and he goes, there's nobody else that's black here, and I'm like, I know. He's like, it's just you. I'm like, I know. That's why you're here. Because <laughs> I don't want to be the, you know, I don't want to be alone and alone. Right. Um, so that can definitely make for an uncomfortable moment. Because you just, you don't know what you're walking into sometimes. Or um, there's all these layers, especially for people of color, that, you know, am I going to be able to relax? Or am I going to have to punch somebody in the face because they say something out of the way? And especially being a submissive woman person of color and i've had many a white dom think that they can talk to me like i'm kizzy from the color purple and uh, not the uh. color purple from um, roots and i'm like i'm not and and no and you haven't earned a space to speak to me in any kind of way or ask me to give you any kind of service mm. and i'm still a sub but i'm not your sub and like to have to tell somebody off when you're just trying to like watch other people get beat and have um, and be a voyeur and not want people approaching you in an inappropriate way. Um, that just adds like a level of intensity and awkwardness, and it makes for like, oh, what am I going to go out to when I go to the next thing? So I think it's like it definitely adds to it, and especially if you don't have the luxury of being able to go and choose your spaces because you have a plethora of things, it makes it harder. So, yeah, and that's something that um, you either have to be up for diving into the community and taking it head on and bringing it out, and not everybody is up for that, um, or you have to be into making your own spaces, and not everybody's up for that. And then I just don't, I don't, know what to say if you can't do either of those things then it yeah. might be just doing finding someone that you can have fun with on your own and, and just make your own private time for kink which is what i do a lot because i'm still not totally finding spaces where i want to be and i'm 100 percent like comfortable and, and and i have somebody who i want to take with me to play because i don't like going alone at all um so yeah that's my answer. <laughs> yes. Amazing answer. Um, yeah, I mean, you were saying, like, being the only person in the room and POC in the room or being the only um, dark person in the room. Uh, there have been times where people approach me and ask me for water, and I don't know if they did it because they think I work there or because they know I'm a submissive or because they just think that I'm a POC, they should be bringing them water. Um, I've had situations where um, I'm asked to leave my um, POC-ness. <laughs> like, basically, live your color outside. Like, come in here 
and we're all the same. And that's like asking me to live my pancreas at the front door. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's part of who I am. I can't stop it. You don't stop seeing a person of color just because I don't tell you that I'm a person of color. Mm-hmm. But uh, to answer the, this person's question, of course it affects you. Of course it's the reason. We, we live in a world where, at least for myself, there's two things that people immediately know. One, just by seeing me, is that I'm not a white person. And two, the minute you hear me talk, that I'm not a straight person. I speak in a way that is considered uh, feminine. <clears throat> Actually, it's considered effeminate. And I don't like using that because effeminate implies that there was an action taken to make something masculine feminine. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I popped out of my mother being feminine. Like, so I, I, I speak in a feminine pattern. I walk in a feminine pattern. Um, I address myself in feminine ways because I know that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And being a female identified, a feminine identified person of color automatically gives this historical assumption of accessibility to my body that, you know, I am not ready to just give to anyone. (laughs) Like, this assumption that because I'm feminine and POC that you can just come up to me and grab my ass happens a lot. So, um, and I wish it was just, like, grabbing my ass, but it's, like, assuming that I'm going to be the one that serves you, assuming that I'm going to be the one bottoming for you, or that, um, you know, like, just as an example, I have so many people offer to pay my meal because they assume that I'm the POC who cannot pay their meal at the munch. Not necessarily because it's Frida and because I'm Frida. You should pay my meal. <laughs> um, you know, those kind of things follow you everywhere. I mean, the academia did it to me. There were so many times that I will propose, um, propose a theory and it was questioned, but then the Y guy next to me uses the same words to, for the same theory, and he gets all the credit. So we bring that to every to every everywhere we go. We bring that. We we have that luggage, that um, um, the baggage mm-hmm. that comes with just functioning in our society. Um, the problem is that this venues, this this munches, like they have to do with something that we are instructed to believe is concrete. And it's um, against, and it and the the outsider's opinion of what sexuality should be. So one, we're coming here to something that is sexualized, and as bodies of color, we already sexualized, and then we want to practice sexuality in a way that society tells us it's not okay. So not not uh, you were mentioning the layers of being a POC. Not only are you the other, but you're the other within the other. So mm-hmm. that puts you in a situation of danger because you're definitely going to be in the minority within a minority within a minority and who's going to be there for you. So if you think of all of that, of course you're going to be hesitant to talk to the person next to you. And what I can say is um, it, 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 it's very easy to know when I'm in the room because I'm usually the loudest, even if I'm not the loudest. So just sit next to me, and, and, and if I can be of any help, like, I'd love to, to provide a safer space for people. I mean, it's impossible to give someone a 100% safe space. Mm-hmm. But if I can in any way, shape, or form contribute to making a space safer, I'm always going to go for that opportunity. That was long-winded. Sorry. No, that's, <laughs> no. Every word of it was great. It was great. <laughs> 
Well, and I think that's a really important conversation to just keep having um, because it's, you know, it comes up a lot and I and I hear a lot of it. So I really appreciate you offer, you know, and, and it sounds like what you're saying is that it's, you know, it is hard work. And so sometimes when you see people out at events, you know, it's it's can be a struggle for them to just be there. And um, and I think that it's it's good to hear your stories. And I hope that that is helpful for the person who asked that. I hope so, too. <laughs> um, so one other question I had was, what is something that you are excited to be learning about, you know, now or in the future in regards to kink and this lifestyle? Ooh. <laughs> mm, yeah. what, is, what is something new? Well, I've been, I want to say dabbling because I haven't done it much, but um, with bondage and, and rope stuff, I'm I'm a big girl, and it just, you know, you talk yourself into things when you, like, oh, I can't do this because. And I, I did a lot of that in the beginning of my kink career because it was, there's not a lot of representation of fat girls being tied up and suspended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you see stuff, you're like, I can never do that. Or you go to a party and you see something, you're like, nope, that wouldn't support me. Um, but learning differently and that there's different ways to enjoy being tied up and or suspended and and I've had some wonderful opportunities with people I trust implicitly um, who've done some some tying up where I'm like I need to do more of this which has actually piqued my interest into actually going out to more events to not to be tied up but to watch and see and maybe talk to people and it's piqued my interest in a way that's made me want to like go outside of the bedroom and be kinky so I think that's fun because I never, like, I'm always like, eh, <laughs> I have to, I want to get dressed up and I have to go. And then I got to, like, go. <laughs> right. Right. So that's something new for me that I'm excited about. Very cool. And how about you, Frida? Well, I mean, like I said, when you've been in this world since 1875, <laughs> um, one thing that I'm really into right now, and it's it's not new, it did happen um, in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, but, you know, the politically correctness of the 90s kind of made it look like it was not necessary. But this approach from, I'm also in a relationship with Sarah, and you, everything becomes esoteric when you're with Sarah. <laughs> like, you can have in a slice of pizza, and it all becomes, like, the answer of the universe. <laughs> so, um <clears throat> I've been approached lately a lot by both the BDSM king fetish, all the sexual outlaws, um, for what I do professionally, which is advocacy for sexual assault survivors. And they're approaching me because they want to create this connection between the two worlds of sexual outlaws and as advocates for um, survivors. The one thing that we have in common is this beautiful concept of consent and how this is becoming, like, they, we're on the fight for it to become mainstream. Like, it's, it's, it's frightening when I talk to youth who are now part of the BDSM community or from the fetish community, and the idea of consent is completely foreign to them. Mm. So I know... There are a lot of things kink-wise that I want to experience. I want to try to experience more bondage. I have mm-hmm. a lot of trauma when it comes to rope, so I want to like try to address that. Um, but this this concept of making consent 
mainstream and that they're asking us, the sexual outlaws, to teach them. <laughs> it's something that kind of like blew my mind and that's what I'm really into right now, like creating workshops, creating writing articles, creating literature for this, what we consider a innate part of a dynamic um, that mainstream doesn't necessarily um, utilize. So that's one thing that I'm really into right now. Right. I love that idea. And I think that that's really, it's, it's exciting, and, you know, a sign of maybe some progress that, yes. you know, people are looking for tools to figure this out. Because I think that we don't have, you know, we obviously aren't off, you know, for the most part, we aren't taught about consent and and then sometimes people learn about consent when it comes to sex and but still probably pretty poorly so mm -hmm. i love the idea that you know people are looking for tools that work and that already exist um and i just think that's so important and i'm glad to hear that's happening mm -hmm. awesome um well i would like to give you both also a chance to um you know tell people if they want to find you where they can find you so frida where can people find you Oh, well, you can find me on Facebook as Frida Assisi. That's Frida, F-R-I-D-A. Assisi is A-Z-I-Z-I. -I. You can find me on FedLife under Frida Miles. And then um, Sarah Miles has her own. She's my partner. I belong to her. Sarah Miles also has a website. And you can find me through that website. And... Um, yeah, it's really easy to get a hold of me. Freedom Miles is very Googleable. <laughs> there are many. <laughs> so uh, just yeah, and uh, I I do anything from presentations on race, class, and gender, and all the subtopics that can come from that. And how about you, Lola? Where can people find you? People can find me um, on Twitter. That's where I usually am, at Dirty Lola. Um, also at Sex at a Go -Go, which is the show I do here in New York, but mostly Lola, at Dirty Lola. That's where I talk about titties and social justice and <laughs> <laughs> everything, all the things that I do. Um, yeah, and then my website for the show, if you are interested or ever coming to New York, is sexatagogo.com. Um, and we talk about everything on that show. We talk about kink and race and all kinds of sex things and, and all the questions come from the audience so that's fun because i get to flex my muscles and um tell people the answers to all their burning questions that they won't say out loud or ask their friends so just continuing that thread of of teaching people stuff that they need to know when it comes to sex and kink yay awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for engaging in this conversation. And um, please go find these people, follow them on social media, support them, pay them. Um, they're doing good work. So, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right, and thank, thank you, you for, for creating this situation, for creating venues where, you know, little Frida can, you know, <laughs> get on her soapbox. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both. So we're going to get real with you right now. Um, one of the things that we do at Self-Serve is we test and review all of our products before we decide to sell them. And we oftentimes tell people uh, that we have bad sex so you don't have to. And oh boy, is it true sometimes. Um, I tested a toy recently 
that um, has a cool design feature. And I'll explain that in a second. But I was so excited for it to be amazing. And I was like, oh, what a great idea. And then, man, sometimes you just try it and it's not good. So this toy um, was a silicone butt plug. And the it had a hole in the middle of it. And the idea was that you could actually pour lube into that hole and it would further lubricate um, the area that the butt plug was in. So for those who don't know, it's really, really important to use lube for any sort of anal play. It helps protect the tissue and um, can help reduce any sort of, you know, damage that can happen as a result of penetration. So using lube during butt stuff is super, super important. And it's always kind of like, okay, stop and put more lube on, stop and put more lube on. So if you have a toy that's dispensing the lube for you, that seems fantastic. So I was very excited when I saw this toy. I was super ready for it. Um, and one of the, you know, possible realities of putting things in your butt is that there might be some fecal matter remnants in your butt that just happens. It's okay. It's normal. It's natural. Um, and there's things you can do to clean out your butt before butt plays, uh, butt, butt play, but you know, sometimes you don't always have the time. Um, so <laughs> I tested this toy, this butt plug, and I was so excited about it. And, um, my dear sweet partner who I was testing this with, like kept on stopping and asking like like did the dogs poop in the house I keep on getting this poop smell like is it the dogs is there hidden poop somewhere and I was like "Mm, I don't know I don't know I can't find any dog poop anywhere so I don't know what you're talking about and then like we go back to it and again my partner's like you know this is just weirding me out I don't know I keep on smelling this poop smell and then it kind of occurred to me that I was like wait a second okay so there's this butt plug in my butt and there's air in between, in the middle of the butt plug where the lube is supposed to drip out and lubricate. And I really think what's happening is that butt smells are getting in that air pocket. And then when I clench my sphincter muscles, it's pushing that air pocket of butt smell out into my partner's face. Um, and that's actually exactly what was happening. So, you know, we don't carry this toy itself, serve, but I'm just really glad that I tested it so that I could tell you all today that even though that was an incredible design idea, the execution of it was not great. And, I, and I'm not saying you couldn't do that better. I think you could. Please, please, someone make this toy. But, um, man, sometimes you test sex toys and you're just like, oh, missed the mark there because a sneaky poop smell is not what you want in the middle of sex. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Reading the review for that toy was the highlight of my week because all, all, every single, we have like an eight page review form and every single part of the review just said sneaky poop smell, sneaky <laughs> poop smell. And, and, you know, there are some things that are totally tolerable in terms of like sex and discomfort and, 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 you know, being like, well, sometimes, sometimes shit happens, you know, <laughs> but a toy that like literally like is like a sneaky fart. Like it's like, it's like a whoopee cushion for your butt. <laughs> hole that's really what was happening it was like a tunnel of poop so um so we don't carry it yeah yeah Yeah, i mean thank god it wasn't a tunnel of poop there was actually no poop there but it was just the smell because if there there was a tunnel of poop that would have been much worse (laughs) a tunnel of poop (laughs) yeah yeah that would be a worse reviewed toy one of our missions at self-serve is to make sure that we can help a broader community members promote their events and get the word out about the good work they're doing here in Albuquerque and beyond. That means that we are wanting to hear about your events. We want to promote your events. So 
with that in mind, I'm going to tell you about a couple things happening coming up in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area in the next few weeks. If you want to share an event with us, you can go ahead and give us a call at 505-585-5538 or send it via email to info at selfservetoys.com. This first event is called in by Rebecca Jones. She was a guest on our first episode all about masturbation. She's hosting an amazing music festival, and I'm going to let her talk about it. Good morning. My name is Becky Jones, and I just wanted to give a shout-out for this weekend. Um, I am organizing a fest. Um, in Windrock, Arizona, in the Navajo Reservation, it is called Adza Warrior Fest. It means Women Warrior Fest. It's going to be from 11 to 9, and it's going to be at the info shop at the Windrock Flea Market. It's going to be lots of fun. We're going to have performances by a lot of um, awesome bands. We're going to have special guests such as uh, Stella Martin and Redmilla Cody. We're going to have local vendors, and we're going to have um, local organizers, organizations, um, tabling as well. This whole fest is for the community, and it's to help empower our Navajo women and our Navajo LGBTQ plus um, relatives as well. So come on out. It is totally free. Uh, like I said, it's from 11 to 9, and it's at the Winter Rock Flea Market at the S Info Shop. Community lunch is from 12 to 1 p.m., and we will have a raffle uh, if anybody can bring clothes or food to donate, uh, you will be entered for an awesome raffle. If you have any questions, you can go onto Facebook and look up Adza Warrior Fest. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to email me at d-i-s-t-r-i-c-k-8 at gmail.com. Okay, I hope to see everybody there. Thank you. Some of our other sex-positive events we've got coming up in the next few weeks on Wednesday, June 21st at Sidewinder's Bar from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m., we have Kavom Cabaret Audacity Show and Vaudeville Open Mic. This month's show is in honor of Stonewall, the riot that started the equality movement. Go check that out, and we'll put some links in the show notes so that you can click on them and get all the relevant information. On Thursday, June 22nd, I and Self-Serve, we're hosting a new class, a brand new class, called Kinky and Curious, Navigating Play and the BDSM Lifestyle. So if you were interested or intrigued by some of what you heard today on this episode about kink and BDSM, come out to this class. I'll be teaching it. It's a great intro for people who are just interested and want to know more. It's also good for folks who've been exploring in the lifestyle and want to hone their skills a little bit. Um, and then one of the other events we have coming up... Um, not self-serve, but this is on Saturday, June 24th from 5 to 9 p.m. at the VSA North 4th Art Center. Transpire, a celebration of New Mexico transgender and gender nonconforming artists and community. So this is a juried fundraising art event um, created in partnership by the Transgender Resource Center of New Mexico and the UNM Truman Health Services. The final event we have to talk about and promote is on Wednesday, June 28th, Self-Serve Toys owner Mady Fricker will be teaching G-Spot Orgasms and How to Squirt from 7.30 to 9 p.m. at Self-Serve. That class is going to be great for anybody who is curious about squirting, G-Spot Orgasms, and just vulva stimulation in general. 
We get lots of questions about squirting, folks. We know you're excited. We know you're interested. We know that some of you have a hard time letting go and understanding how it works. That's okay. That's what this class is for. It's a really popular class. People love it. So come out if you can. Again, that's on Wednesday, June 28th. And that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in to our second episode of Show and Tell Sex. We really are glad to have you listening. We love your feedback, and we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us a couple different ways. If you want, you can email us, info at selfservetoys.com. You can also call us at 505-585-5538, and that number will also be in the show notes. If you want to leave us a message, um, that is a Google Voice account, so it's unlikely that someone's going to pick up the phone, but please leave us a message. Let us know what you think. And specifically for next the next episode coming up, Mady will be talking about pride and identity. And specifically, we want to talk about some of the identities that are oftentimes left out of pride. Um, oftentimes, people see the pride movement as something that is really serving and centered around the sort of cisgender, you know, white gay male experience. So we want to be talking to people who fall outside those identities and also really honor the work done by trans women of color in this movement. And uh, we're going to be talking with some folks locally and nationally about the work they're doing and how um, sometimes pride leaves people out. Like I said, trans women of color are oftentimes not represented in the ways that they should be. Um, asexual people, um, non-binary and gender non-conforming folks are oftentimes left out or pushed to the side. So we're going to have those conversations. If you fit in that identity, if you have something to say about this topic, please let us know. We would love to hear your voice and perspective. Again, you can give us a call at 505-585-5538. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Self Serve Toys. Additionally, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook for the podcast specifically. So that's just show and tell sex on both of those. And finally, we would love to get it. give a big shout out to Lazarus Letcher, who created and recorded the music for our podcast. Laz is a co-worker at Self Serve and an amazing musician, and they're on tour right now with Eileen and the Inbetweens. So we want to give a big shout out to them for doing such a good job with our music. We hope to hear from you soon.